kids three to five can be dismissed now. <laughs> Mike and I were joking. We're like, we need to put a cue in our, in our uh, Sunday evening uh, program to make sure we remember. And uh, looks like I remembered this yeah. week, Mike. But <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I don't remember much, but sometimes. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as, as, uh, as Mike mentioned, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about what the Bible says about marriage, which does require grace, and we joke about that, but isn't it true that it's only by God's grace that we can fulfill our roles that God has for us as both husband and wife? And, uh, and so I, this is something that I received a lot of questions about. And I put it off for a long time, um, mostly because, number one, I know I have a whole eight years of experience in marriage, um, but, but also due to the fact that every single marriage relationship is so unique, and the struggles and the difficulties are unique to every single couple. And so I was a little afraid about getting up and talking about marriage, knowing that you, know, you can't possibly address all the specifics um, that, that are involved. Uh, but given the fact that Christ points to marriage as a picture of his love toward the church and something that God instituted at the very beginning of creation, it's something very important that we as Christians uh, are faithful in and, and know God's pattern for. As I mentioned, there was a lot of questions, several questions related uh, to marriage, and, and, and the questions I received um, had to do with navigating relationships where there was a strain in the relationship. And if you've been married for, for any number of years, you know that, that strains in marriages arise, even perhaps growing apart, drifting apart, when the relationship has been reduced to nothing more than two people living in the same house. Or perhaps when a spouse has backslidden. What does the Bible say about situations like that? And, and I'm not going to put the, the specific questions that were put up, but I, I took all the ones I received and kind of boiled them down to two general questions um, that, uh, that, that we're going to hopefully address tonight. What do I do when my spouse isn't walking with Christ? Um, how's that, how, does, how do we navigate that as Christians? And then what's my responsibility as a husband when, when me and my wife are drifting apart, have, have drifted apart. Uh, and of course, the same could be asked from the wife's perspective as well. Personal marital counseling uh, cannot be done from the pulpit, right? As far as a one-on-one -on -one situation. Each marriage has its own baggage, personalities, and sins. And so while I can't preach to any one particular situation, I can point to what Scripture says what marriage is supposed to be. And so that's my goal tonight. That although I'm sure we're all coming to this with our own experiences in our own minds, the best I can do is lay out the blueprint and say this is how Scripture sets it up. And, and hopefully, as we have a clear picture of what the blueprint is, you can take your marriage, put it up against God's blueprint, and see where it aligns and where it's misaligned. And we're going to start with some foundational principles. What are some foundational principles uh, that, we're going, that are going to guide us through this discussion? Two of them. Number one, the Bible designs a healthy marriage. Marriage is something that God created. This is not a man-made institution. This is a God-ordained institution. This is something that God designs. And since he is the designer, he knows exactly how it should be set up. 
He knows exactly how each spouse should act in their marriage according to his design. He, know how, he knows how it works. And since if we believe Jesus, if, if God is the creator, then we should pay careful attention to how he has set it up. And he has given us a very clear blue, blueprint instructions for marriage. And, and, and men, I know we hate following the instructions and looking at the manual, but this is one situation in which we really need to do that. The next foundational principle is that the gospel fuels a healthy marriage. And we're going to look at some New Testament passages that show exactly what, what the energy, where the energy comes from. And Mike even mentioned, right, we need grace, and that's exactly right. Gospel, the gospel gives grace for a healthy marriage. We'll look at Ephesians chapter 5 in a moment. But each command in Ephesians 5, which is one of the passages where it lays out the responsibilities of the wife and of the husband, each command is fueled by the truth of the gospel. And again, we've, we've highlighted before the structure of the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 through 3, is all doctrinal, gospel doctrine, and, verses, and chapters 4 through 6 is practical instruction based off of that doctrine. That here's the gospel, and then everything after that is, and this is how we live it out. And Ephesians chapter 5 talks about how we live out our marriages in light of gospel truth. The wife's submission is fueled by the church's submission to Christ. The, the husband's love is fueled by Christ's love for the church. Marriage is a gospel message. God designed marriage to point to Christ's relationship to the church. And so with these two foundational principles in mind, I want you to ask yourselves these questions. Number one, if you're married tonight, am I following God's design for marriage? Do I know God's design for marriage? And number two, am I reflecting the gospel in my marriage? Any breakdown in a marriage relationship, I think, can be traced back to one or both of these two questions. We enter marriage with our own design, don't we? And we reflect not the gospel, but our own priorities in the marriage. And as a result, marriages fall apart. Right? We, we get married and we think, here's my priorities, here's my mission. My spouse better get on board with what I want to do. And what's the spouse doing? The exact same thing. Again, while individual marriages need individual personal counseling, I simply want to look at God's design and the gospel's message in marriage and you just might find that it addresses your struggles you're experiencing in your relationship, if you're experiencing struggles in your relationship. First of all, the Bible's design for marriage. You can turn to Genesis chapter 2. This is um, a typical passage that we go to when we talk about how God ordained marriage. Genesis chapter 2, creation account. First thing we'll see in Genesis chapter 2 is that Marriage is complementary. Now, it's not comp complementary. That's not giving each other compliments. That is the fact that you complement each other. You, it's, it's, you, you balance each other out. You help each other. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone, and I will make him a helper fit for him. Or the King James says, a help meet for him. One funny thing that we've done as Christians is we've turned that into a single noun. Did you, know, did you know that there is no noun called help meet? It is a helper fit for him. And so um, the wife is called a helper who is fit for the husband. From the very beginning, God gave a, the man a mission to accomplish. But God also acknowledges that it isn't good for a man to accomplish that mission by himself. 
And so he made Adam a helper who was suitable for him. And Eve was the perfect complement for Adam, designed to be a suitable helper as he sought to accomplish God's mission for him. Eve was not Adam's slave, and Eve was not Adam's supervisor. Eve was Adam's helper, perfect helper who was suitable for him. You know what hurts a marriage? When you both enter it with two separate missions, expecting the other spouse to go along with it. The wife does her thing, the husband does his thing. The wife is frustrated the husband doesn't get on board with her thing. The husband is frustrated that the wife doesn't get on board with his thing. But from the very beginning, God gave a blueprint, and he says to the husband, love your wife and lead her, not in your own personal mission, but in the mission God has assigned for you. And too many husbands enter marriage seeking to fulfill their own personal goals and expect the wife to agree because that's her job. There is, there is a great responsibility and gravity to being, at, being tasked as the leader. And you need to take very seriously the direction in which you're leading your wife. And so to the wife, he says, help your husband and follow him. And I think actually God wired us in this way. For the husband to lead and for the wife to follow and help. I mean, ask, ask a girl, what do you want in a guy? Will, he, will she say, well, I just really want, I want a really passive guy with low confidence and who lets me pay the check on date nights. That's what I really want. <laughs> well, of course not. She would say, I want a guy who's going to take the lead in serving and loving me. It's just innate. We, 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 we want that. God has a good blueprint. Husbands, lead your wives. Wives, help your husbands. Marriage is complementary. But secondly, Genesis chapter 2 tells us that marriage is unifying. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Well, on one hand, husband and wife have distinct roles. They are one flesh. They are united. They love each other as themselves. This will show up again in Ephesians chapter 5, when husbands are to love their wives as their own flesh. Why should we do that? Well, because you are one flesh. He who loves his wife loves himself, Ephesians 5 says. And this is God's beautiful blueprint for marriage. Marriage is complementary. Marriage is unifying. Now, just take a step back. Compare God's blueprint to your marriage. How closely do they line up? Husbands, are you leading your wives? Wives, are you helping your husbands? Are you complementing each other? Are you unified? Are you one flesh? This is God's design for marriage. But then I want us to look at the gospel's power for a healthy marriage. And we're going to turn to some New Testament passages that describe how our marriage should look like when we take God's blueprint for marriage and allow them to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to turn us, have us turn to three different passages, and I'm just going to read through these passages together before we jump into what they're saying. First of all, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 18 and verse 19. This is the shortest and simplest of the passages that we'll look, like, look at that describe husband and wife. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 
That's the simplest one. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, that should say Ephesians 5 on the screen, not Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis 2 there. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. This is a, a very interesting passage to kind of take apart, but what I, I, what I think is being communicated here is that from the very beginning, before Christ ever came, before the church was ever formed, when God made the marriage union, the husband and wife, he had Christ in the church on his mind. Verse 33, however, let each of one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Final passage, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 through 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, of the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Particularly in Ephesians and Colossians, we see, as I mentioned earlier, these instructions as an outflow or a consequence of being changed by the gospel. The gospel transforms your home. You see, and when you come to Christ, you realize that my relationship, my marriage, is a picture of the gospel, that there is a purpose for it. It's not just for mutual happiness and fulfillment. It is, it is a far greater reason than, than anything that I can come up with. It portrays Christ in the church. And as we read through, you saw some very clear responsibilities that both the husband and the wife are called to fulfill. Number one, I want us to note that these are independent responsibilities. And what I mean by this is God calls each spouse to fulfill their role to obey Christ even if their spouse is failing in their role. The gospel fuels our marriages by making Christ the motivation for our obedience. If you look back in Ephesians 5, wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. 
Christ is the pattern and motivation of their obedience. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Christ is the pattern and the motivation of their obedience. So what does the gospel do? It allows us, it actually frees us from allowing our obedience to become dependent on another person. It's actually a very freeing thing to realize I can obey God in my marriage even when my spouse fails. I am not dependent on my spouse to please God. We are called to portray God's pattern in marriage even if our spouse isn't on board or isn't making it easy. And we're going to go through some stuff, and, and some of this, frankly, and this is why I put it off, is just uncomfortable, all right? And again, I hope you realize that I'm coming to you as a, as a person who's been married for eight years, all right? And I have young kids, and I have not gone through many of the challenges that you all have gone through, so many of you have gone through in this room. But I hope we can at least look at Scripture and all submit to Scripture and say, this is what God says, not what Aaron says, and we can submit to and obey the Word. First of all, this, and this is the pattern we're going to do. We're going to look at wives first and then husbands, all right? And the reason why I end with husbands is because I am one and I can be meaner to husbands, all right? And so, uh, and, and frankly, we are, there's a lot more written to the husbands than there is to the wife. Did you notice that? Let's, 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 let's turn to the wives first, all right? Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, in our culture today, we cringe at the word submission, we equate it to being inferior, less than. Is that what scripture says? No. That is not a scriptural perspective at all. Submission does not equal inferiority. And husband, if you are communicating that to your wife, that you must submit because you are inferior, you're in sin. Jesus the Son submitted to the Father. Were they, was one inferior to the other? No, they were equal members of the Godhead. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And never should we interpret submission as being a silent doormat. A biblical wife is one who not only follows her husband and helps her husband, but is also a trusted advisor to her husband. She's your helper, right? You're, you're a team. You can't help without actually helping, without giving advice, without giving counsel. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 points to this reality in marriage that husbands are to honor the wife as the weaker vessel. Why? Because they are co-heirs with you of the grace of life. There's the equality. Love them because they are fellow heirs with you of the grace of life. You are equal in worth and value to your husband. And your calling in marriage is to follow your husband's lead. Well, you may be thinking, well, I'll start submitting like the church once my husband starts loving like Christ. <laughs> Actually, wives are called to fulfill this role even when the husband is failing in this. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 2, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. This is difficult, no question. And I know that there may be some here thinking, you don't know my situation. And I'm going to get into that in a second. And, and obviously there are, there are situations in which the, 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 the sin is so strong and the, and the situation is, is so horrible that drastic measures must be taken. But in the day-to-day -day situations, the typical marriage, what are wives called to do? Follow, help, and, 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 and submit to your husbands, even if they obey not the word. 
And as I mentioned earlier, there's actually an aspect of this that's incredibly freeing. Wives, your own obedience to Christ does not depend on your husband. In fact, 1 Peter 3 tells us that a wife allowing the gospel to fuel her role as a wife can be one of the most effective witnesses to your husband. All right, that's the wives. Husbands, your turn. All right, husbands, love your wives. Your job is a lot harder than your wives. Now, I'm not, that's nothing against wives. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. In fact, this is what I'm saying. Let me go on the next slide so I explain myself. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah's at home sick with the, or no, and my kids are sick at home, and so my, Hannah's with them. She's like, well, I'm not going to be there. Just let loose. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, Hannah, if you're watching online. Uh, but when you line up the responsibilities, what Christ has called each spouse to do, all right? We have wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, Love like Christ, understand your wives, honor them, and don't be harsh to them. What's going on here? I believe that you'll notice actually that each time these lists show up, they start with the wife, follow, submit to your husband. And it's almost as if Paul immediately says, Husbands, do you realize what I just said to your wives? Now, do you realize the responsibility that you have as the husband to love her like Christ loved the church. I'm telling your wife to follow you. You better lead and love her. On top of that, look who you're supposed to portray. Wives, you're supposed to portray the church. Husbands, we're supposed to portray Jesus. How are we doing with that? You are to love your wives like Jesus loved his church. So how did Jesus love his church? Well, Ephesians 5 tells us, giving himself for her, selflessly serving her and sanctifying her, loving her like his own body. That's a high calling. That is a serious calling. Christ's love for his church was seen through his humble, selfless service. Husbands, are you humbly, selflessly serving your wife as Christ did the church. And this is so much more than just a resigned and cold, well, I guess I'll love her because that's what Jesus told me to do. Ephesians 5.29 says, For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Husbands, if you're not cherishing your wife, you're not loving your wife. And you are to love your wives no matter how your wife is treating you. Imagine if Christ's love for the church was dependent on the church's love for him. And yet we often blame our selfish actions on some deficiency we see in our wives. Well, if she would just fill in the blank. Husbands, we are not allowed to have that excuse. I remember one time talking with a friend about the tendency husbands often have to be sinfully domineering over their wives. And my friend responded, well, yeah, but the only reason why a husband is sinfully domineering is usually because his wife is trying to usurp his authority. That's sinful, selfish thinking. When I hear that, I hear Adam saying, well, the woman that you gave me 
Husbands, you need to love, serve, honor, and cherish your wife no matter what she does. A pastor named Vodi Bauckham shares this conversation that he has, has had with husbands. He says this, I'll look men dead in the eye, go home and love your wife. Well, but you don't understand, we're not in love anymore. I didn't ask you to be in love. I said, go home and love your wife. Well, I, I just don't feel like that. Okay, fine. The Bible says love your neighbor. Your wife is your closest neighbor. Go and love her because she's your closest neighbor. Well, she's not even my closest neighbor. I moved out. Okay, that's fine. So love her because she's your sister in Christ. Well, I'm, I'm not even sure she's saved. Well, that's fine because the Bible says love your enemies. <laughs> and then he says these words. It is absolutely inexcusable for a man who says he follows Christ to stop loving his wife. Amen. In fact, I'll go one step further. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20-21 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his own brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the command that we have from him that whoever loves God must also love his brother. And husbands, we can say boldly, yeah, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. Husbands, what about your wives? If you are not loving your wife, you do not love God. And you say, well, that's not fair. You can't say that. We can say that about our brother, right? In fact, God takes it so seriously in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that if you don't love and honor your wife, your prayer's husband will be hindered. Honor your wife as a weaker vessel so that your prayers may not be hindered, it says. These are independent responsibilities fueled by the gospel that you are called to fulfill regardless of what your spouse is doing. So it's a, they're independent responsibilities but secondly, I want us to see that there is a reciprocal impact. Because husband and wife are one flesh, their obedience or lack thereof does have a reciprocal impact in their spouse. Our tendency is to listen to the Bible's instructions for our spouses and think what? Yeah. My spouse should obey scripture no matter how rotten my attitude is toward them. <laughs> they need to follow Christ no matter how harsh I am. Right? You see the phrase on Instagram a lot, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Right? And often that's an excuse to allow them to be at their worst and be okay with it. But have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why am I okay with having such a rotten attitude? Why am I okay with being so harsh to my spouse. Rather than saying, yeah, my spouse needs to love the Lord and, 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 and obey Christ even though I'm not loving them like I should. If you love your spouse, you'll be sensitive to how your own disobedience actually makes your spouse's obedience harder. And I say this knowing that what I just said, that you are called to obey even if your spouse is failing. But at the same time, isn't it true that when you aren't fulfilling your role as a spouse that it's harder for your spouse to fulfill their role? I think so. 
So again, we'll start with the wives. Wives, don't make it hard for your husbands to obey. While your husband is supposed to selflessly love you no matter how you treat him by helping and following him, you are encouraging him in his own responsibility to love and serve you when you fulfill your role. If you're sending the message to your husband that he must first perfectly love and serve you like Christ before you even think about following him, that can be an incredibly discouraging thing to your husband who is a sinner and weak and seeking to grow. So wives, don't make it hard for your husbands to obey by refusing to obey Christ while you wait for your husband to get with the program. In the same way, husbands, don't make it hard for your wives to obey Christ either. As I mentioned, the lists that we read begin with the wife submitting, followed by a much longer treatise, basically saying, husbands, you better love her. God is calling her to submit to you. Don't you dare abuse your leadership and walk over her. You better love her like Christ loved the church. And husbands, if you're sitting here only thinking, yeah, my wife needs to submit, then you need to correct your thinking. You should be sitting here thinking, wow, I need to love and serve my wife who is called to follow me. This is why in the instructions to husbands, like we have instructions like, don't be harsh, Colossians 3.19. It's really hard to submit to a harsh, mean husband. Don't be harsh to your wife. Be tender and loving toward her. Don't make it hard for her to obey. 1 Peter 3 says, live with her in an understanding way. Show honor to her. Are you honoring her? Don't dishonor her. Treasure her and seek to understand her. Love and serve her like your own body. You ask any wife, would you find it easier to help and follow a husband who is kind, selfless, and understanding in his leadership? It would be a resounding yes. While your wife must obey Christ, even when you aren't as loving as you should, why in the world would you make it harder for her to obey? Maybe an illustration that might help us understand this. Men, who here has had an employer who is really hard to work under? Okay? Are you supposed to follow their lead? Yes, you are. They're unreasonable. They're stubborn. They don't do any work themselves but expect you to do it all. It's hard to work for them, isn't it? You're supposed to listen to them, but boy, do they make it difficult. Okay, now pretend you live with that employer 24-7. Husbands, serve and love your wives. They might find, you might find that they will eagerly follow your lead. Your wife's role is to follow your lead, so don't make it hard for them to obey Christ. Again, we have independent responsibilities. You, have the, you are free to follow and obey Christ in your marriage, no matter what your spouse is doing. You can be faithful to Christ. You can follow husbands. You can love and serve but if we truly love our spouses, what are we going to seek to do? We're going to seek to fulfill our role as faithfully as we can 
so that it's as easy as possible for them to fulfill theirs. You know, Jesus said to, to, to the church, he said, Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. Right? He's calling for the church to submit to him, to follow him. But how is he doing it? Come to me because I'm gentle, I'm lowly, you'll find rest. I will love you, I will serve you. And we as the church, we look at our Savior and we say, I'll gladly follow a Savior like that. I'll gladly live for a Savior like that. And we are called in our marriages to portray Christ and the church. Husbands, are you, are you loving your wives, pursuing your lives with that spirit of Christ who's gentle and lowly and humble? Wives, you're seeking to serve and follow and help your husbands as, as the church follows Christ. You know, the best thing I can do from the pulpit is to just lay out the blueprint to show how the gospel empowers marriage. And now it's time to take the specifics of your own marriage, line them up to scripture. Wives, are you following the blueprint? Husbands, are you following the blueprint? Wives, are you a helper suitable for your husband? Husbands, are you leading with love? What do you need to confess to each other as a result of what we saw in Scripture? Husbands, if you're not leading in confession, then you're not leading. What do you need to confess to each other? How do you need to humble yourself in your marriage? The gospel gives you the power and grace to obey Christ in your marriage. And as a result, portray his love through your marriage. And one of the most powerful realities of the gospel is the reality of forgiveness. And man, we need forgiveness in marriages, don't we? How can you allow the gospel truth of forgiveness to fuel your marriage? And if we seek to follow God's pattern, to confess our sins to each other, to serve and love one another, we'll find that our marriages can become one of the most effective testimonies to a lost world around us. What a high and holy calling. And I hope today that you, you realize that I'm saying all this as an imperfect husband myself, who, you know, part of the reason why I, I'm, you know, sticking it to husbands is because I realize I have so much work to do. And I look at my, my role as a husband, and then I look at my own weaknesses as a husband, and realize, am I... Am I as serious about my role as I should be? Or am I just kind of living life? Right? We just kind of live. We, we don't think about what we're doing. We don't think about the grand picture that we're seeking to portray. We just kind of wake up and we go to work and we come home and we, we argue with each other and then we put the kids to bed and then we sit down and watch a show and go to sleep and do it again the next day. And we fail to realize there's a profound picture, a profound reason, a profound mission why we have been placed together in this marriage relationship. And even if you think to yourself, you know, I don't even know if we are the right pairing, that we, I don't even think that we match, that we should be together. I can tell you right now, you are meant to be together because you are together. 
If you ever have any question, I heard one pastor say, if you ever have any question, if you marry the right person, just look at your marriage certificate, and it will tell you. (laughs) So serve, love, and seek to portray the message of Christ in your marriage. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you give us grace. Lord, we enter marriages as two sinners seeking to portray a sinless Savior. And that's a, that's a weighty calling. Lord, I pray that you would give us the humility to depend on your grace. Lord, that we would measure up our marriages against your design to see how we fall short. And in the areas that we do fall short, That we would not wait for our spouse to confess before we take the first step and confess to our spouse. Help us to be humble in our marriages and point to you in everything. In your son's name.